some of the crowd on the pitch. You're listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. Oklahoma City, and we are here to fire up the soccer show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Ryan Chapman hanging out with you as always alongside my good friend Matt Burton. Matt, hi, hello, how are you? Hello, hello, doing well. Doing okay, actually. I'm really digging the uh, the shirt you have on today. Thank you. We Thank have, you. It was a hot topic today. We have our queen, Olivia Rodrigo, blasted across Matt's chest. I'm sure Erica feels great about that. It's on Twitter. If you missed it, I will be at the wedding. I will be at the wedding. We also have our good friend, Matty Goldfish, Mr. Liverpool himself, Matt Goldbranson. And that's how Liverpool's been as well, baby. That is not this week. Not this weekend as there have been I no know, club but goals. But no. This season been, been fantastic. You've I had no complaints. You've been enjoying it? How was your weekend? How was your week off from the soccer show? Um, or week I'm off so committed, Liverpool? I thought we still had a game. Beautiful. And I was like, I was like, where is it at? Yeah, is it on Peacock? Is it on USA? What's they, happening? They, my, my subscription renewed and everything. I'm good. Where is the game? And then I remembered. Oh. I'm on a show that talks about soccer. Yeah. Maybe I should think about what's happening. They're on break. I'm a big old dummy. Hey, it uh, it happens to all of us. Like I said, we usually get like a couple weekends of Premier League. Then we get a Premier League plus college football weekend. And then like week two or week three of the college football slate, just kind of depending on when it adds up, is the international break. So we get to dive headfirst into the foosball uh, on this side of the pod. And we did that. This past weekend, we're going to talk about how the U.S. did, what we liked, what we didn't like, all that fun stuff. We have another major retirement on the women's side of life with the U.S. Women's National Team. We'll dive into that. At 7.20, Oklahoma soccer coach Matt Mott is going to hop on with us. The Sooners opening Big 12 play. Big week ahead for both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State as the Big 12 is just going to be an absolute meat grinder this year. Looking forward to talking with Coach Ma about all of that. And we'll close out the show with the Premier League being back. We'll preview that bad boy as we always do. But, uh, Mr. Burton, how would you spend your international break? How would you spend your weekend? I, I know that we were college footballing it as uh, we are often down on campus in Norman or going to and fro to follow that team around. But you can do anything else. Uh, you get to enjoy your weekend off from the beautiful game, at least on the club level. Yeah, it was just uh, American football. That's all it was. College, NFL started up. That's all it was. Football all the way around. And, uh, yeah, I had a good one, though. It was uh, it was nice to, you know, watch the, the seven hours of commercial-free football. Shout-out Scott Hansen. Yes. And it was nice to have that kind of that that feeling on Sunday where you're looking around like, what have I done today? I've yes. done nothing productive. I've just watched football all day, and it was actually uh, pretty perfect. I've missed that feeling. Yeah, it is a ton of fun, and it, it's kind of like I, I've really enjoyed. Do they call it goal zone or goal goal rush? One of them is what you right. actually watch live. The other ones that you watch back, and. I've really enjoyed how the Premier League and, and Peacock and NBC, whoever it is, how they've kind of figured out how to um, 
roll out and try to simulate that a little bit. It's a lot harder, right? Because there isn't like a set in stone. Hey, when you cross this yard line, things are going to happen. But uh, that that 9 a.m. slot on Saturday, uh, if Chelsea's not playing, throwing on goal rush, it's a it's a ton of fun to just sit back because usually they do a pretty good job of, hey, what's the biggest game of the day? If nothing's happening in the other games goal wise, we're yeah. going to stick with that. Yeah, no, I, that's a it's a really good idea, right? And um, I I think soccer is a really good one to do it for as well, because not only that you can you can show big plays to like or like, oh hey, this guy just got sent off, or this is what's happening in this one, like it's something like that. Like basketball, you can't do that. There's too much happening, too many points going on, like all that stuff. Um, and I feel like soccer is perfect. It is made for like a, a, a red zone type of type of show. Right? Like let's let's go back um, a couple weeks ago. Right? You know, City Newcastle United are playing. That's game of the week. It's awesome. Right? Have that one on. And then hey, oh, you're not well. No, United's a bad uh, example. They're not going to score much. Uh, Liverpool. <laughs> uh, hey, Liverpool. Chelsea just, just conceded. Yeah. yeah, Liverpool just put two pass like in five minutes. Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's okay. Like uh, that is soccer's tailor made for something for a cut like in. That. Yes. Yeah, a nice little cut in and. Uh, I'm sure as it continues on, they'll get better and better. But it's been a ton of fun. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. Indeed, looking forward to the Premier League coming back this next weekend. Just because on the U.S. side, we didn't have a ton of stakes with this international window. We'll talk about how the U.S. men's national team did with Triple G. Burke. Uh, however you feel about that. However you feel about that. But uh, first, on the women's side of things, we talked about uh, Meg Rapino And we've got the send-off game for her. Julie Ertz also announced her retirement uh, from the beautiful game. Another very, very decorated not seen that. U.S. Women's National. And it's just one of those things. That I, we knew this was coming yeah. when you had such a large group of four-time World Cup attendees with this last U.S. Women's squad that, that was in Australia and New Zealand. You figured, right, a lot of these players probably not going to make it to a fifth World Cup. And that was part of this mix of turning over the squad and, and trying to kind of empower the younger generation to take over that leadership role. It's still a gut punch when you see uh, the announcements that they're hanging it up. It is because there's so many good memories with, you know, a Megan Rapinoe, Julie Ertz, uh, this, that whole generation. And but again, it, it comes to an end. It's just, it was a great era of women's soccer for the United States. And, you know, all, all good runs must come to an end. Like, I mean, I'm sure it'll hit just as hard when Alex Morgan, you know, hangs it up for, for the U S and, and, and all these people, like, I, I mean, like the, the Becky Sauerbrunn, like yeah. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like rack my yeah, brain. Roll through like, them. It hurt a little bit when Carly Lloyd announced her retirement, all that stuff. Uh, but it's just, it's nice to, that was kind of the theme of the, the world cup too, right? Is like, how do you balance the people who have been here, done it before, but maybe you're a little bit older and balance some of that playing some of the young talent that's up and coming, you know, like Sophia Smith, all, all these people. And, it feels like this kind of clears the way for, okay, we're turning the page. This is going to be a new era of U.S. women's soccer. But also, like, thank you for everything that – everything you've done for not only women's soccer but women's sports as well to the to the generation moving on. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it'll be – obviously, we, we talked about it with the men coming out of the World Cup. That was going to be a huge appointment. It ended up just being Triple G, Greg Berhalter back in again. The U.S. women, we got news that they – basically have circled on the uh, sporting director side for the U.S. program. 
December-ish is, is kind of when they want to have a new U.S. women's national team manager sewed up. I know a lot of people immediately threw their eyes at Serena Wiegman, who's done a phenomenal job with the Lionesses, England, and uh, England was immediately like, yeah, we're going to lock her down. We're going to lock yeah, her, yeah, yeah. make sure that contract isn't, is ironclad because they would like what she's doing there. So it'll be something to track. I haven't heard many names as far as the U.S. has like kind of reached out, but we ne- we never heard a lot of names on the men's side. Like there were a lot of rumors, a lot of rumors for like former players that are trying to get into international management, not just U.S. players. But uh, we we didn't hear a ton on the rumor side until eventually it ended up just being Greg Burhalter. So as that rolls through and filters through, we will continue to keep you abreast of what's happening in the U.S. Women's Coaches Search. But we did have a couple of games. From the U.S. men, our first chance to see them back out there since the summer of CONCACAF and all of that. It was not a very CONCACAF international break. On Saturday, the U.S. men took on Uzbekistan, won that one 3-0. On Sunday, the American, not Sunday, Tuesday, goodness, days are hard. Yesterday, last night, yesterday evening, the U.S. took on Oman and won 4-0. Let's go back to Saturday. You had a fourth-minute goal from Timothy Way. The U.S. gets out early, but then you had to wait a good deal of time. Pepe scored in the first minute of second half stoppage time. Christian Pulisic buried the penalty to make it 3-0 in the fourth minute of stoppage time. Um, For me, Matt, this whole window, this whole international break was going to be about the vibes. Getting the vibes back out there, back under Triple G, just kind of get that momentum rolling. We know the players were pretty vocal outside of one, that Greg Berhalter (laughs) had done a very good job of fostering the atmosphere with the U.S. team and that that was something that even though it's like a Christian Pulisic whose club situation was not great for him, he always enjoyed the international break. And it looked like a, a Christian Pulisic who was carrying over his form from Milan. Uh, Timothy Way, I thought was great in both games. There was a little shakier at the back against Uzbekistan. But I thought as far as that first game out, I didn't need it to be 7-0 for me to be happy. Right. I, I like what you what you did there with the, the vibes international break, right? You know, uh, another sort of break of getting uh, Florian Balogun into the fold as well. And it, it felt like they passed the vibe check. It felt like they absolutely yeah. did. And um, again, it, the scoring is is weird, especially in the game against Uzbekistan, right? You get the, the fourth minute goal early uh, and then put two away in stoppage time and uh, at, at the very end. And this is what, this is what you're, you're supposed to do to, the Uzbekistan. That's what yeah. you're supposed to do to Oman. And I think in, in that regard, doing what you're supposed to do now, maybe it didn't look pretty outside of the first four minutes and then the last five minutes. But you found a way, overcame, and did at the end, you did what you were supposed to do. The scoreline looked like it's supposed to look when you're going against Uzbekistan. Yeah, I just, a little disconnected the midfield in that game one. Fine. I, that's not a panic button moment. That happens sometimes. I, I just thought, for me, the U.S. allowed a, a few more bigger chances that I would have liked to see against Uzbekistan. It looked like, though, when you, you go from Saturday to Tuesday, they cleaned that up, ratcheted it up a little bit more at the back, uh, did a lot better job limiting Oman. It was steadier. You got the, the 13th-minute opener from Florian Balogun. Then Aronson on the hour mark, Pepe in the 79th minute, beneficiaries of an own goal in the 81st minute. But uh, I thought that Yunus Musa was huge in that second game. And when you talk about uh, shielding off the back line, then the connecting play going back to front, 
Musa's a guy that, that's going to be huge as we roll into Copa America play, as we roll into the World Cup, just like a Tyler Adams, a Weston McKinney, all those guys. Gio Reyna, if he ever, uh, <laughs> when he's healthy, when he's healthy. I, I think those guys will be key. For me, I just, you saw the improvement as the competition dipped a little bit from Uzbekistan to Oman. That's what you want to see. And I, I just really like that you got to see that front three of Balogun, Pulisic, and, and Wea play a bunch of minutes together because... Okay. That's something that is as we talked about a little bit last week, but as as Todd had left and, and Triple G was reinstated, Greg Berhalter, we had said, okay, you kind of know what your core is. And if you want to tinker around the edges as far as who's going to be squad member 17, 18, 19 through 23, fine. But you, you kind of know what your best 11 yeah. looks like as far as the most balanced team, the most attacking team, stuff like that. A spot or two to, to split hairs as far as do you want to drop Giorena into the midfield? Do you want to play him on the front line? But other than that, I want to see these guys have basically two and a half years to build this kind of chemistry because hopefully they're all healthy and able to be available across all these international breaks so that they can start playing together week after week or window after window. That right. Is. And to like, I feel like since what Clint Dempsey, they haven't really had anybody that was a threat at the top. But it, for for scoring a goal, really, they, like, and you know, Clint Dem- Clint Dempsey was a a good player. He's a fine player. He, he didn't really. I mean, he played some with you know Fulham, Tottenham, uh, in the Premier League as well. But um, you know, Florian Balogun, like that's it's a legit dude. He put almost twenty goals in the in the what Syria? No, not Syria. Uh, league uh, League uh, League uh, uh, where they in, eat the crepes <laughs> exactly. Uh, they're just like really thin pancakes. <laughs> uh, but, so he, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a bona fide uh, goal scorer in a good league. And the more you can work him into the fold, the more that opens up, hey, you don't have to, like, Christian, you might actually have some, like, room to work. They're not yeah. going to, like, just force you to get rid of the ball. Um, you know, I, I think what you said, that that is very important to have, especially those front three Getting more chemistry, uh, getting to know where everyone likes likes the ball. But like, where where do you want? You know, when a, when a cross is coming in, where do you like it? Like, I know where you're going to be before a play even happens. That's how that stuff works, man. Just that, that's that's just sports in general, too, right? When, the more you play uh, with with someone with your teammates, who you're going to be playing with a long time. The more you know exactly where they're going to be, uh, how they want the ball put in, anything like that. So. It's it's really important for them to keep working Balogun in because that is a legit striker. Like, he, is, he is a legit striker. Now, is he uh, Erling Holland? No, but he is a guy that can absolutely make you pay in, in multiple ways. So uh, that was it was a really impressive performance against Oman. I, I just like that uh, too. We saw this a bit against Mexico in the champion or at the Nations League, not the Champions League, the Nations League, Ryan. But you saw that as far as even if he's not running behind, he he's happy to drop into the midfield and grab and, and pick up the ball and carry it through. Which, as you mentioned, when you have not just the speed but the directness that both Timothy Way and Christian Pulisic play with, it, it creates problems for this for the back line. Because if I'm thinking, okay, where is Balogun? He's stepping up in. I need to step up in, and now there's even more space to run in behind. All of that. It could be an issue, and that just takes time to build that chemistry, and thankfully we're going to have that time just because, uh, what, other than Clint Dempsey, the Josie Outdoor, he good hold-up play, but not really dropping super, super deep in. I don't think anyone was worried about him late yeah. running in at that kind of stage in his career. I think that's Balogun, the, that's the thing, different right? guy in front, yeah. That's the thing, right? Because, I mean, there's so many times that, 
you know, Pulisic, whoever, Weah, they'll make good runs, send a good ball in, and no, no one's there. Yeah. At all, but Balogun is. Like, he he will be there. He'll be make sure to try at least try to be on the end of runs uh, to get you know not maybe or maybe like a, a fox in the box situation, right? Like it's something like that. That's that's so important and so vital that the team USA just hasn't had. Yeah, and, and when you throw in, hey, if Gioran is making those late runs out of the midfield, hey, if Weston McKinney is making those yeah. late runs out of the midfield, hey, if Eunice Musa or Tyler Adams is making those late runs out of the midfield, then it becomes an even bigger problem. It's just. Uh, Questions that the U.S. can ask that they didn't have at the last World Cup, and that's why adding a striker like Florian Balogun is really important just to have an out-and-out guy, and a guy that you know, a guy that other teams go in, and when they do the scouting report, they're getting together, go, we have to know where Balogun is, otherwise he can make his pay. And so something the U.S. lacked in the World Cup that hopefully we'll get to see the fruits of that labor as Copa America comes to the U.S. as our big, big test ahead of the 2026 World Cup. That's Matt Burton. I'm Brian Chapman. This is the Soccer Show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. On the other side, like I said earlier, we are going to link up with Oklahoma soccer coach Matt Mott as the Sooners open up Big 12 play. All that more coming up on the side. You're listening to the Soccer Show here on the franchise. The Soccer Show is on Twitter. Give us a follow at Soccer Show 1077. Welcome back. This is the Soccer Show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Ryan Chapman, Matt Burton, Matty Goldfish on the other side of the glass. And we head to the Little Caesars hot and ready hotline. Two mats was not enough. We needed to dip into the well and grab one more. We're joined by Oklahoma soccer coach, Matt Mott. Coach, how are you doing, my friend? How's it going? I'm great, guys. Stay on. Very exciting to have a, a soccer show. That's awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're going to dive into your team. We're going to dive into everything going on. It should be a scene tomorrow in Norman. But we would be remiss if first I've had a little birdie inform me that you might have a little uh, a little red devil in you, a, a little a little frustration toward the Glazers. Man, well, what's the, what's your situation here? Is this Man United's Matt Mott? This is absolutely Man United's Matt Mott. My whole family is a Man United. going to have two sons and a daughter. My daughter doesn't follow it, but my two sons are huge Man United fans, as am I. So, absolutely. Well, I am the the newish kid on the block, I guess, the new money on the block. I I carry all the Chelsea baggage and everything that comes with that. But our our good friend Matt Burton here is toiling away with you in, in... uh, whatever Man United's been for the, I I'm in the same boat in a different boat, but you guys you know, have been you've had some weird thing going the on. The post Fergie yeah. era, you know, it hasn't gone great yet though. But I believe in Eric Ten Hag. I 100 percent believe in Eric Ten Hag. I think he's the right guy. I think we will get this roster figured out and get back to our winning ways of the Roy Keane and Paul Scholes days of old. That fires me up. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> well, you talk about getting rosters figured out, and you had a tall task ahead of you when you took over the program. Just a lot of moving pieces. I feel like across college sports, the transfer portal, it means that anytime there's a coaching change, there are a lot of moving pieces going on. Rolling through non-conference play, Coach, uh, ended up 4-3 and three going through that as you look toward Big 12 play. As you kind of close the book on the, on the non-conference, sort of, as you got the Omaha trip on Sunday. 
Uh, what's sure. kind of your, your your takeaway from you know the first seven matches of the season and what you guys have been able to to sort of build on as a foundation before what should be a pretty tough Big Twelve slate? Yeah, um, you know I'm really happy with the team. The, the players have really taken to what we've tried to do. We've had to change a lot um, to get what we want and how it, what we want it to look and our philosophy and you know layering in all those things. But you know on September 5th it was my fourth month on the job, and so. You know, I, I started preseason. I struggled with some of the girls' names and, and who was who. And, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't seen any of them play. I had one player that I coached for three months at Ole Miss that followed us here, and I didn't know another player on the team. I hadn't coached another player on the team to that point. So, you know, two weeks of preseason just isn't enough. So we've, uh, you know, we've gone up and down. I think probably like you'd expect a little bit of uh, highs and lows and, you know, won some uh, won some good games and scored some goals, and then struggled a little bit on the road. But I uh, really like the team, and they're they're trying and working really hard. And uh, it's a fun group to be involved with. But certainly, it's been a whirlwind. I haven't slept a lot, uh, but really excited to be here and, and love everything Oklahoma. And and uh, we're going to get this thing headed in the right direction and 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 be a a soccer uh, a team that people want to come out and watch and, and and fun to follow. How important were those? early road trips just for you talk about that first road trip I feel like every team has the storyline of the chemistry stuff like that but for the team just to gel and get to know each other and have a chance to we have to be in this hotel together we have to be on this bus on this bus. how key was that for you guys oh huge I think it was huge you know we had a five day or out in in uh, in Washington right in Spokane and you know long trip out there and then we were there for two games and really long trip back and so it was it was grueling, but um, you know I thought we did some we we did some good things, made some good steps forward on that trip, um, learned a lot about ourselves, and, and played a really good team in in Gonzaga and a good team in Montana, and so you know different right out there the grass is a lot different than it is here. If you if you've been to our stadium, John Crane Field is the nicest field you will find in the Big Twelve or the SEC. I've been to all of them, and it is just perfect. So to go out and play on a different surface, all those kind of things. Uh, was a challenge for us, but certainly allowed us come together as a team for sure. And we had some, some certainly good moments out there and, and uh, you know, preparing us for the rest of the season. Coach, the thing that sticks out to me, uh, you guys have no problem putting the ball in the back of the net. I mean, you guys <laughs> have fired them in uh, pretty at a pretty high clip to start the year. I mean, uh, again, you mentioned with, with all the, the transfers and stuff that you guys have had. I mean, what's kind of been the secret to the success? I mean, scoring so many goals uh, with kind of a, a whole new roster. Yeah, you know, we got some special talent up front. I mean, Emma Hawkins is a special player, and she's quick and finishes well. And, you know, we're getting really great service. Alexis Washington is really, really dangerous. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I've coached a lot of players, a lot of wide players, and she's as good off the dribble as, as you know, as anybody I've coached. I have a player, the one that reminds me of CeCe Kaiser, who's playing for Kansas City in the NWSL is a – a starter and a star in that league. I mean, she's similar to that. She really is. Um, she's got to improve maybe her scoring side to be that CC's level, but her off the dribble is just dangerous. So, you know, they're sending two and three people out to deal with her, and she's putting in good crosses and leaving us kind of, you know, one-on-one -on -one in the box, and, and Emma's so quick. And Danny Wolf too, is a really dangerous forward. She's a big, strong, great in the air. Um, so we've got a kind of three-headed monster, you know, those three, and then, and then you put Leo Weber's playing the 10 for us or the attacking mid-spot. And she also is really tricky with the ball and a good finisher. So, yeah, no, we have some weapons for sure. We've got to continue to be better defensively as a team. But uh, we definitely have some weapons. We're able to score, there's no doubt. We're talking to Oklahoma soccer coach Matt Mott here on the Soccer Show. Uh, coach, 
it's not just scoring goals. You, you guys score goals in a bunch of different ways, and I feel like Emma's a great example of that. Not the tallest player around, but she has no problem heading it to the back of the goal either. Yeah. But how do you get that balance right as far as not sending and committing too many numbers forward, knowing that you guys are so dangerous, but if you don't finish it off, you're going to immediately have to be turning and burning back the other way to defend. Yeah, it's a, it's a great balance, right? And I think uh, part of that depends on the opponent, right? And what what is the style of the opponent? Are they coming after us? So they're opening up some space for us um, to get into behind them, or are they sitting back in? And now we're able to maybe put some numbers forward, but got to be really scary about the counter. I think when you when we get into Big 12 play, obviously it gets a lot tougher. The teams are better defensively. They're, they're you know, as athletic or more athletic than we are. So those things really make it dangerous. But, you know, we're not afraid to, to pile some numbers forward for sure. And, and I think, again, we got some special players um, that help us. But, uh, you know, again, I would say we've, we've done a good job scoring. But, you know, we've worked a lot on defending because uh, we know coming up we got some great opponents that will be very difficult for us to defend. Speaking of uh, starting conference play, Coach, you guys uh, have the Jayhawks of Kansas coming down uh, tomorrow. Uh, Going to need a, a big crowd for that one. But uh, what kind of what kind of uh, a challenge does do the Jayhawks pose you guys tomorrow? Yeah, I've known Mark Francis for years and years. He's a fantastic coach. His teams are always really organized. They're going to try and keep the ball. Um, so we're going to try and you know press and, and get them to turn it over and they look to counter them. We we need to be very tight defensively. We got to be really compact really in our midfield and our back, our, our final third, and then uh, our defensive third, sorry. And and then we got to take our chances, right? They're not going to be a lot of chances in the game. They haven't given up a ton of goals um, this year. So, um, you know, we got to be really good. They have a very good goalkeeper. We got to be good in front of goal and, and really take the chances when we get them. So, but a very good team, you know, quality players all over the park. And, you know, we're going to see that for all the rest of our games for sure. We got 11 left and, there's not an easy one. You know, there's a little team called BYU in our conference. Now it's the number one team in the country. We got them in a few weeks here in, in Norman, so that'll be fun. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you on the crowd. Our crowds have been unbelievable. I can't thank Sooner Nation enough. It's been unbelievable. They're into it the whole time. Even, you know, we've been up in a few of these games pretty big, and they're still, you know, loud and, and into it, and the drum line's there. It's, it's a great, great atmosphere. Well, and you guys have done a lot of winning so far. You guys are carrying <laughs> – uh, a nice little home win streak here. If you win against Kansas, that'd be what the second long or tied for the second longest streak in program history at home. I don't know that. That's a question for Josh. I don't. Uh, sounds good. I hope it is. That'd be great. But I, I, I don't know that that at this point. Well, Josh likes Liverpool, so we don't just we don't talk. Yeah, we, we, exactly. he, he's, yeah, no. he doesn't get to come on the show. I yeah. agree with that. He's not welcome here. He's not welcome here. You mentioned <laughs> BYU. It's not just BYU though, Coach. Top to bottom. Yeah. At this point in the year, I, I know the rankings aren't everything in the world, but if you pull up any top twenty-five, there's a ton of Big Twelve schools uh, around, and, and just looking at just the home slate, Kansas State, State UCF, but closing out with Texas and BYU. Uh, how important is it to just get Texas and BYU at home? And, and what's the what's the week to week, the Thursday to Sunday grind going to be like in the Big Twelve this year? Up as any conference out there, right? I mean, I think that, you know, you're looking at great teams up and down. Like I said, Kansas, Kansas State, we've got to go to Texas Tech. We've got to go to Houston. We've got to make the long road trip up to West Virginia and Cincinnati. Um, none of those will be easy. 
So it's, it's absolutely grind. You know, nowhere in the world do they play Thursday, Sunday, as you guys know. Um, so that makes it really difficult. You got to be deep. You got to have, you know, depth in the team and you got to be really good at, got to be really good at, um, recovery. And so we spend a lot, a lot of time on that. We are very science-based coaches. So we have a very strict periodization. We hire the, uh, we hire the Atlanta United, um, MLS sports scientist, director of sports scientist, Dr. Ryan Alexander does our periodization with us. So I've worked with him the last eight years. He is phenomenal. So we really set a periodization where we're peaking in October and, uh, and we're going to need to be doing that for sure this year to, to give us a chance to get into that conference tournament. Uh, coach, this is going to be more of a uh, just general coaching question here. I, my, my father was a, a high school basketball coach here in Oklahoma for 30 years. Uh, and he has he has a lot of coachisms, right? A lot of you yeah. know, his go-to sayings and stuff like that. We, we hear Brent Venables say, you know, like the standard is the standard all the time. Mm-hmm. What is a Matt Mott coachism that we can start using? <laughs> uh, you know, I get a lot of stick from my, my buddies that I use way too many cliches. Um, you know, I, I think we talk a lot about quality. You know, everything's about quality. The girls actually made fun of me. They use the word quality so much. You know, we're looking for quality in everything that we do. So that's probably a word I've used a lot, um, you know, and, and uh, that's a good question. Maybe next show I'll, I'll have a few for you. But, but I'm not afraid of a nice cliche or a coaching cliche for sure. But, you know, for us right now, it, it's, it is about standards, expectations, and quality. Well, Coach, you've got Kansas coming to town. That is going to be tomorrow night, Thursday, 7 p.m. out at John Crane Field. I know you're running a huge promotion with the students right now, trying to get the students out. How huge would that be? And plus, it, just anyone, not just a, a current student, uh, what can they expect? What do they need to show up with? Well, well what needs to happen tomorrow to uh, have that crowd rock? Is it John Crane Field? Yeah, for sure. We're trying to break the record, right, for the most students at a game. And, and our, our players went to uh, the frats and the uh, uh, the frats and the um, – uh, sorority the sorority. Well. Yeah. yeah they did all that which is great um but yeah no i think you know spread themselves out go up on the berms um you know and, and make the loud be behind that goal the visiting goals when we score they can go crazy and give the other team a hard time it's always a big positive but yeah no i just think come come be loud and and support us uh, really appreciate it our our marketing group's doing a great job of getting people out there and we're looking forward to it, it looks like it's gonna be a great night it's gonna be nice and cool and Certainly a fun night for soccer. A fun night indeed. Hopefully we dodge the rain. Look, touch and go earlier in the week, but it, we are have we've had a phenomenal weather week here. Coach, thanks for hopping on again. Seven p.m. tomorrow, Thursday night. OU Kansas out at John Crane Field. If for whatever reason you can't make it, first off, you're a loser. Secondly, head over to ESPN Plus, Student Vision on ESPN Plus. Coach, thank yep. you so much for hopping on. Look forward to catch up with you later. And with all due respect, I hope you guys uh, struggle. Not Oklahoma, Man United. No, no. Yeah, no, no. Uh, you know, no. Go, go, Man United for sure. Here we go. Love it. This was a Thanks, quality guys. interview. Quality interview, coach. <laughs> Thanks. That is Oklahoma soccer coach Matt Mott. He was joining us there on the Little Caesars Hot and Ready Hotline. As Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both will be looking to open up Big Twelve play with wins this week. As he mentioned, Matt, uh, BYU, that addition to the league, is adding just another freaking juggernaut to the Big 12 <laughs> Conference, a conference that was always or already a ton of fun. Excuse me. Oklahoma came back from that trip to Spokane last Thursday. They hosted Murray State and won 5-1, to one, looking to roll that forward. And Oklahoma State, their last little 
test before opening up conference play. And again, some of these non-conference games are still roped in there. Oklahoma State headed down to Dallas last Sunday, Matt. They lost one nothing to SMU, a really hard-fought game. And if you don't follow a ton of uh, college soccer, SMU is a quality, quality program, both on the men's and women's side. They do a really good job. And the Cowgirls, they're going to be out at Neil Patterson Stadium tomorrow. That one's at 5 p.m. up in Stillwater. Or, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. They're in Ames. I can't read. They're in Ames at 5 p.m. Do not go to Stillwater tomorrow at 5 p.m. <laughs> expecting to see soccer. You won't get it. That one's also on... Big 12 now ESPN plus. So if you can't make it to Ames, if you're listening to us in Iowa, get out to Ames and support the cowgirls or to Norman. Both of those will be on ESPN plus. It's, it's that really fun time when big 12 play kicks in because uh, that Thursday, Sunday schedule is a grind, but you get a lot of quality games across the big 12 year in, year out. I love it. I love to see it, man. I, I can't wait. Uh, especially when, when conference plays starts going, man. Yes. Yeah, like, like you mentioned, like, uh, what, what Matt Mott was was talking about, you know, all the teams coming to Norman, not only, you know, just getting to play uh, the Big 12 schedule, but some of the teams coming to Norman, that's some big time opponents. And uh, I mean, that just fires me up, man. Same for Oklahoma State, man. Yeah. It, it fires me up. Yeah, it's uh, building in and, and peak at the right times to be really key for Oklahoma because he mentioned that West Virginia, Cincinnati, Thursday, Sunday swing, tough road trip. Uh, that's backdated October 5th and October 8th. Then Oklahoma will come back home and on Thursday host Texas, who's been really, really good on that Sunday or Monday, excuse me, October 16th, they'll host BYU. Then the next Monday we'll have Bedlam in Stillwater. Uh, that's a tough close to the year. So, But Oklahoma's peaked at the right time, plenty of time to build into that as well. So get out there. Support the Sooners there at home on Thursday. You'll be supporting Oklahoma State in the weeks ahead at home, but be sure you catch that on the ESPN Plus as we have two teams that look to roll through Big 12 play. I mentioned OU's 4-3. and three. Oklahoma State is 6-2, a good non-conference record for a team that also had a lot of new faces, and they can also score them a goal as well up there in Stillwater. That's Matt Burton. I'm Ryan Chapman. This is the Soccer Show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. On the other side, the Premier League is back this weekend. We will preview it. We will dive into all of that to close out the show here on the Soccer Show to send you truly into your Wednesday night. We'll be right back after that. You're listening to the Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. segment just for this week of the soccer show firing up right now soccer show as always brought to you by oklahoma city fc and the broadway clinic matt and i were just talking in the break matt burton i were just talking in the break goldfish as uh, if you listen today you know that there is olivia rodrigo happening on the same day that matt's getting married i think i figured this all out olivia's in atlanta the tuesday before your wedding 
The Braves have a six-game homestand yeah. in the starting the Friday before and ending that Wednesday. I think I'm just going to go to Atlanta. I've got some buddies in Atlanta. I think I'm just going to roll through and I'm do in. a little Braves homestand. And I need someone to go with me to the concert, though. So do I need to start working on Erica now? Is that something that... I think so. I think so. You, I think you might have a little bit of a tough time since it is the week of our wedding. That'd be a great bachelorette party. Hey, 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 hey. Your timeline had us getting back the day before, so I think that might be a little... Hey, bit. hey, the wedding's on Saturday? It is. Uh, we can fly back Thursday. We don't need the extra landing. <laughs> we can fly back Thursday. We're going to give it an extra. We'll give ourselves an extra 24 right. hours. It'll be great. It will be great. Something I don't need an extra 24 hours for, Matt, is the Premier League returning. I would take that right now. I don't yeah. care what time it is over in England. I would like that to start off. But alas, we will have to wait a little bit longer. No Friday game this week. Why? Because they're all coming back for the national break. Chill right. out. It'll be fine. Okay. Uh, but... Matty Goldfish, your squad will fire off at 6.30. Game number one, Liverpool and Wolves. Friends, I don't expect this to be much of a contest if Liverpool can carry on yeah. their form from before the international break. But I, I wonder for Liverpool if you might see an extra little bit of carefree, of confidence, all that. Why? Because the window is shut. The transfer window is shot. The, the Saudi Arabian transfer window is shut. You got all the way through. There shouldn't be any more, no matter how right or wrong the reports are, you don't have the rumors swirling around Mosul, at least for a little bit, all that stuff. And I wonder how good, how therapeutic that'll be for a team that was playing well before the international break to just have no distractions, come on back in, everyone get acclimated and fire that thing up as they try to uh, continue to, to bet an Indo in that midfield and, and, and push to to be as part of that title race at the top with Arsenal, with City, with... Is West Ham going to hang around? I, right. I guess we have to throw West Ham in that right now, but uh, Brighton as well are, are, are really playing well. And the good thing about the transfer window being closed is that Chelsea can't swoop in and steal anyone Liverpool wants to get. Well, I, so that's good for Liverpool. Chelsea have been with like a, another like batch of 16-year-olds. And I'm just like, <laughs> I, just call me when they're at the club. Like right, exactly. I, I don't know what to do with that. Call me when they get there. Driver's license. It all comes back hey, to Rod. And, and, and Chelsea, they signed a 16-year-old. They're just like, I just, I've got deja vu. It's happening again. <laughs> it's brutal and, Anyway, here. and you're probably uh, just like, good for you guys for spending all that money. Okay, we're done. We're done. Here. It all comes back to O-Rod. Get him back. Anyway. Anyways, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, West Ham is the one that, yeah, it, it feels like they're not going to be there or, or thereabouts. I, I think we, we talked about that last week. West Ham was at least my team. I can't remember. Uh, if you were also West Ham. Uh, oh, I that, said City were going to fall off the Yeah, track, City. Right? Yeah, City <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. City relegation battle. I don't know. Um, stay out of my DMs, Todd. Right. But uh, for West Ham, we'll see if they can, if they can do They just keep finding ways and in different ways, too. What they, You know, you see one game where they kind of dominate possession, then they go score three, and then you see a game where they have basically zero possession and go win. <laughs> they yeah. Win yeah. Like, they keep finding ways. Michael Antonio, Jared Bowen is off to uh, the hottest start uh, that I can remember and uh, outside of uh, one Erling Holland, but um, he's the, he's the great caveat. I, I think he's the outlier uh, always the unicorn, if you will. And I'm just, I'm excited to get it back going, get back in full swing for Liverpool. Um, they've looked, they've looked like what you think Liverpool should look like before. Like they did after, um, after they got all the, their guys returned from injury last yeah. year and the way they closed that year um, or they closed last year, they look like they've picked up uh, right where they left off. So 
Um, shout out to them, man. They're they're playing some great football right now. Talk about unicorns. I would like to see Christoph Porzingis play for Pep Guardiola. That, yeah. I would I would like to see that. I'd like to see if Pep could get the best out of Christoph. But that 9 a.m. time slot uh, on Saturday will have a couple of good ones, especially when it pertains to a couple of clubs we just talked about. City are atop the Premier League, but West Ham's in that clog. City and West Ham, they'll fire off at 9 and then Man United in Brighton, that's another really good game happening at 9. 3-0 uh, Brighton. Well, as United try to ditch their bogey team, but I, I'd like to make you feel a little bit better, Matt. Brighton have just been that good. They're everyone's bogey team. It, yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's no longer... I feel like when you're just good, just good you're no longer like, uh, oh my gosh, uh, we, we can't get that off our It's like, no, I, everyone starts to play against Brighton because they've been really good. With the... Uh Basically, traveling circus that is Manchester United right now. This is going to be 3 0. <laughs> 3 0 to the goals and uh, three points very much earned. Not even a trip to the South Coast out of it, too. You just get, you right, just get yeah, to yeah. host. Stay up there in the rain in the north and, yeah, whatever. Do you, uh, as City hit the road, head to London, we know what this game is going to look like. I can't tell you what a final scoreline is going to be. City might have 98% of the possession. <laughs> yeah. uh, City are going to probably turn 30 shots on goal. Not just shots, shots on goal. And West Ham are going to have two breaks where they might win 2 nothing if, yeah. if they hit both of those. I- I'm fascinated to see how that goes off. Uh, in, in a game like this, obviously, if City get a goal in the first 15 minutes, it's going to completely change the complexion of it. What I'm looking for is if West Ham can get to halftime, and the margin is still a goal, then I think everything's to play for. And I, I'm just really curious to see because when a team were rolling like West Ham were, like you mentioned, playing unafraid to drag people to the mud if that's what it took, I, I'm always curious how they look coming off of an international break. Whoever our September surprise is, uh, you, you get four or five games in and, and then you have to go away for a weekend. I'm able to pick up and, and carry on versus if, if maybe West Ham come back down to earth a little bit, which is not to say they're in a relegation yeah. battle like they were early last year. Clearly, it looks like the the vibes are different. We, we, we talk about vibes a lot in, in the footy because, uh, you know, vibes mean a lot more chemistry. It's much a, a chemistry game. And, and are you working together as an 11 as opposed to just throwing a bunch of stars out there? I don't know who I'm talking about there. <laughs> for sure. But, well, for for City, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna pick them to lose or anything like that. They seem just like uh, an absolute juggernaut and have been for uh, a few seasons now. And but the thing with West Ham that I, I like, right? Like, again, they can have two percent possession. Those two, those two percent can lead to Jared Bowen leaking out, Mikel Antonio leaking out, or also again a, a sneaky, really good move. Uh, in the transfer window, getting James Ward-Prowse from Southampton, all it takes with him is, oh, no, we fouled right outside of the box. And, oops, free kick, goal. Yeah, James James Ward-Prowse. Like, I think, uh, again, we talked about the sneaky good move of getting James Madison uh, at Tottenham. I think that's equally uh, another thing because that's just another layer to it, right? He, you know he's going to send in a good cross from corners. So if, if West Ham get down there, get a corner, you know a good ball is going in. And then... Man City, you got to be a little bit careful around around the penalty area, because if if you do foul someone pretty close, uh, that that's got a good chance of going in the back of the net. Yeah, no, absolutely, totally agree. So it, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like again coming off the international break. A couple of the other games, Tottenham, that other team we haven't talked about, sitting on ten points, they'll be back at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They've got Sheffield United. 
Uh, this one, for me, is absolutely the just go get a goal early for Tottenham, open that thing up, don't yeah. let Sheffield sit back in. And I think Spurs should be fine. Really like how they're playing. They will have some harder tests, not that they... Uh, haven't been tested so far with that United, but uh, on this weekend particularly, Sheffield shouldn't offer too many troubles, I wouldn't think. No, I wouldn't think so either. Uh, speaking of, uh, did you see uh, Youngman's son's penalty? Yes. He just got I, I, I mean, he's playing against Saudi Arabia, right? I, I believe. Uh, was it Saudi Arabia? Yes. And, uh, he, yeah, I mean, just the kind of the clearest penalty. That it, he basically, yeah, he's... And the ref is like, get up. He's running away. He takes one touch. The slide tackle comes in, comes clearly through his foot. Yeah. Son had already touched the ball away. And all, I, all he could do was laugh because he was right. like, what, what is this? What, what do is, I have to do? What is going on? Why can I not earn this penalty? Uh, if that happens, though, in the Premier League, it'll get screwed up, but it'll get screwed up after a five-minute VAR review. Right. So at least you feel better about the VAR. Yeah. It's the computers. They're taking over. Do we think, ooh, okay, we saw in the NFL this weekend, the movie The Creator's coming out, and they've been, as a viral marketing ploy, they've been putting humanoid-like robots yeah. in the stands at SoFi. Do we think that uh, when they cut to the VAR booth, it's not going to be actually officials doing it? It's just going to be the robots sitting that, there? That would be a great marketing kit. That would be sick. It would also be, awesome. be way more effective than the VAR review <laughs> officials sure. that we have right now. Real quick, will Luton get off the line or is full? Okay. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Just quick no. Uh, No, indeed. And then uh, Villa and Palace. I'm really looking forward to that one. Villa are fun to watch going forward and the high line that they play. I I think that they also are conducive to to letting some goals. We we saw that a couple of times before the international break. I think Villa will be firmly mid-table, and I think Crystal Palace will be as well. I'm just looking forward to that because I think it'll be pretty open because of how Villa play. Newcastle and Brentford. I think it'd be a little bit more interesting if they had to go to London, but at St. James's Park, I think Newcastle could have a strong showing on Saturday in the 11.30 slot. Because it's a, it's a bounce-back stretch for Newcastle after just maybe the toughest start <laughs> Open to the season in, insane. Ever. I mean, you get City and Liverpool in there. Uh, and then who else? They played someone else. Was it Brighton? I think it was Brighton, yeah, that they played uh, as well. So they've had maybe the toughest start to a season ever. Uh, so now this is a chance to, hey, all right, we had the break. Let's get back on track, regroup. We know we're a good side. Let's go prove it against a, a pretty decent side in, in Brentford as well. Yeah, no one going to bat an eye at you starting 1-0-3 when you thrash Villa 5-1 yeah. and then you're at City hosting Liverpool and then headed to Brighton. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Indeed, just a pair of games on Sunday. The first one popping off will be Chelsea. They are headed to Bournemouth. Uh, this one is one where Bournemouth, I think that, it's only four games in, but you've seen a clear strategy that works against Chelsea, which is if you are very, very organized at the back, the very young squad has shown from Chelsea they are ample to get frustrated, to start taking shots off a of quick trigger, stuff like that. I think the storyline, now that the window is shut, so that can finally just be done through the rest of September and early October is Chelsea was supposed to be on this quote-unquote easier run of games. They could build into it. They have a really tough October run. But also, if you look at the just the, the XG charts, which I'm not someone that's like, the XG is everything. Chelsea are one of the teams that are most underperforming how they've played metrically as far as possession, big chances created. Chelsea have created the most big chances in the Premier League so yeah. far. They've missed every one of them. They're 0 for 11. <laughs> they've also missed the most big chances, stuff like that. So I, I think that we can start to see over these next three or four games, is this more of a team that, 
was really young and nervous to start the year, and they're settling in, and they're not going to finish all of them, but they're a lot closer to the what the metrics have said through four games, or do they have larger problems? Is Nico Jackson having trouble getting off the line? Is anyone other than Raheem Sterling? Like, I'm looking to see what that looks like, as you should have the Caicedo, Enzo Fernandez midfield be more bedded in now that Caicedo's back up to match fitness. Right, and with... Uh... Uh, with with Nico Jackson, I mean, you mentioned that you know he's the best striker in the world. Yeah, well, for sure, and he's missed he's missed <laughs> a couple of sitters, and you know maybe that is good for him, a young guy. That hey, okay, got my legs under me, getting some Premier League time. You know, international break comes. You know, man, I've, I've missed some chances. Now, hopefully, he comes out. You know, just hungry to. All right, you know that ses- that section of of the schedule is over. I had the whole international break to think about it. Hopefully, he's you know, uh, raring to go, uh, trying to get in there. But um, I just really I th- one I think it's anything, a good bounce back for, for Chelsea here. One of the things I need that away kit to come in. We're <laughs> rat- we're, it, I was told September 27th, I need that thing to ship pretty please <laughs> at Chelsea Megastore. The big one to close Sunday, and we have one Monday contest. The Monday contest is Nottingham Forest and Burnley. No disrespect to Nottingham Forest and Burnley. I know that Forrest Bennett, loyal listener, up the forest. We love you. Uh Somebody's got to win that game. Somebody's got to lose. <laughs> Everton and, and Arsenal at 1030 to close out our Sunday slate. This is a very savory fixture seven years ago. Uh, today, it's a matter of is Sean Dyche going to have a game plan defensively to slow down this high-flying Arsenal attack? Or if the Gunners go out there and get a girl early, get a goal or early. Don't know what they'd do with a girl early. That'd be right. a, an odd thing to roll out there on a Premier League Sunday. Uh, are they going to be able just to kind of bury Everton because Everton struggled to score? They just do. Yeah. And, you know, if Arsenal's coming off beating Man United, where, again, like I said, it felt like United just couldn't cross midfield. Declan Rice was there. Saliba was there. Gabrielle, like, it was just, like, they could not get anything going, couldn't get out of their own half. And uh, I feel like this will be, a, like, I'm not just like, Trying to say, oh, United just so much better than Everton. There, a lot of people are way better than Everton. Uh, <laughs> breaking, I don't, I don't think Everton. Ever, yeah, I Everton think, Football Club are breaking. I, I think this one's pretty convincing. Arsenal just going to run away with it. I do as well. But Goodison Park is an incredible atmosphere when it's up and running. And so, if Everton can at least, much like the the West Ham City game, get to halftime and not be totally out of it, or heaven forbid. Much like West Ham, if they can get a corner and strike early or something like that and try and hold on to it, it could make for a pretty fun finish to close out your Sunday before you roll into NFL action if you so choose. But it's back, and I'm so, so, so happy it's back, Matt, as we'll have some beautiful Premier League action humming all weekend long. That'll do it for us, though. As always, that hour always flies by way too quickly Special thank you to Maddie Goldfish. Special thanks to Matt Burton. And, of course, our special guest, Matt Mott, OU soccer coach, for hopping on with us. If you missed any of the show, if you missed any of the Matt Mott interview, it will be podcasted. Just search for The Soccer Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'll toss that link out there on Twitter, at Soccer Show 1077. Be sure you're giving that a follow. And if you're around and you like the Crimson and Cream, they're in town this weekend. So get down to Norman 
Thursday night, 7 p.m., like we said, Oklahoma and Kansas. For the Cowgirls, a 5 p.m. start up in Ames. That bad boy is on ESPN+. But that'll do it for us. Special thank you to Oakland City FC and the Broadway Clinic for their sponsorship as always. But on the other side, we've got the Outdoor Hour on 107.7 The Franchise.